Jesus Christ, man. That's so wild. This is wild. This is wild. Craig, did you read any of this? Did you hear what we said? Of course not. You're automated recording. So yeah, uh, what is this? I don't get it. Higher grade to create an algorithm, 12 different standardization models. Oh, here's a picture of a here's a picture of an algorithm right now. But I don't get it because I'm bad at math. What's up, everyone? It's the smoothest podcasters in Baltimore. It's your favorite artists, we hope. And if not your favorite artists, at least the best ones that you listen to for the next, you know, 30 minutes. It's the Art Pros. I'm Gage B, here with... Renz B. And we're the Art Pros. We are the Art Pros Podcast. Please. Visit www.artprospodcast.com to get a whole roster of our previous episodes. And we have a special feature right now, which is if you have listened to our past episodes, we got our CyberVote Patriotista episode one out now on our website and other platforms as well. So check it out. Check that out. You know, check out our Patreon. It's linked in our website, or you can go patreon.com slash artprospodcast, and you'll find it. Yeah. You guys will never believe it. We finished the first chapter. I know that's what Renz was just talking about, but I, I totally forgot. We are comic book artists now. We have our first ever chapter up on our website, so go ahead and check that out. Um, Brenz, I wanted to ask you a question today. It's really important. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a question you've probably heard before. If you had $10 million to do an art piece right now, today, what would you make? Oh, here's another round of the $10 million question. Of course, I've evolved since the last time. I don't know how many episodes ago we answered this, but hey, you know what? This is my 30th million dollars so 30 million dollars what would i do with this 10 million dollars today hmm okay so here's some factors you know people people aren't able to go out anymore everything's gonna have to be digital accessibility is a factor because nowadays you know even if i wanted to do some really cool augmented reality or virtual reality showcase the the truth is that most people don't have that device most people have a laptop a desktop computer a it most probably mostly a smartphone or an ipad or something so i'm targeting a smartphone or a computer based um exhibition art we like to say that art and video games uh go hand in hand is is video games art is art video games who knows check out uh what we think in one of our past episodes we talk a lot about it actually so that is my inkling i don't necessarily want to make a video game uh to to present as art i want to make an art piece that feels in and in many ways might 
as well be a video game. You know what I mean? The difference here is accessibility. If I make a video game, most gamers aren't really artists. So my goal here is to use this $10 million to develop something for artists to maybe get introduced to the ways in which video games um, activate uh, the, the audience. I think video games in our era are very successful at <laughs> making money, for one. People pay attention to them. You have an audience, a huge audience. Twitch, people are just as willing to watch others play video games as they are buying them. I, I think it's just about 50-50. So Twitch is making a lot of money. Streaming platforms are making a lot of money. I want people to see this exhibition because I just got $10 million to produce it. So what would I do? What would I do that <laughs> isn't necessarily a video game, but more geared towards people who like to look at art and who like to make art? What is What would that be? Something that can be viewed. Are you are you filibustering right now? <laughs> no, I'm not filibustering. I don't have anything off the top of my head. This is just I'm freestyling, is what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> listen here, everybody. Listen closely, interns. This is what you call faking it till you make it. This is what you do when you're picking your nose and daydreaming, and somebody in your art class says, "What do you think about his art piece?" And you're not ready. <laughs> you just start you just start talking just start talking and explaining everything too much well that's, that's the, the beauty of art school is that that actually works you can just filibuster and filibuster and filibuster and everyone's always trying to prove that they're smart so no one's ever going to act like your idea doesn't make any sense which Renz, your idea did make sense and i'd like to build off of that i think that what we can do is called the universal basic playstation program right where we use 10 million dollars i'll throw my 10 million dollars in so we use 20 million dollars to give artists in need free playstations along with ghost of tsushima <laughs> the new samurai video game that renz has been telling me all about for two hours before we started recording and we give that to every artist so that people who do abstract paintings people who do fiber sculptures people who maybe they make wood and steel tables can just feel totally 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 emasculated by how much cooler video games are than traditional fine art i'm glad you brought it up actually because it is very beautiful they did a great job with stylizing the landscape um and it's actually a little bit of a controversial video game you got your uh, social justice warriors advocating on behalf of the japanese because they don't think westerners should be making a video game based on Japanese history. Why don't you explain what Ghosts of Tsushima is real quick? Let me tell you all the lore about the video game Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima has been a video game that has been hyped for the past three years because of its stunning quality. And it is a video game about a samurai. A samurai that needs to save the island of Tsushima from the Mongol invasion that is impending. Now, this is based off of a true historical event. Mongolians did attack the island of Tsushima, and they were unsuccessful because weather. Weather saved Jap Japan and the coast of Tsushima. Um, so 
that's what it's about. It's not literally, you know, it's not ghost for account. No, it's not factual. Oh. It's just inspired by that. And a couple people on behalf of Japan uh, felt offended. But the funny thing is that people from Japan actually really liked it. They really liked it, and they were confused as to why people here in the West felt offended for them. They're like, well, you don't need to get offended for us. It's a, it's a game, and we like it, and it's good. And they didn't disrespect anything because I guess they, they could tell that whoever made it did a lot of research to make sure that everything was in line, that nobody was, like, you know, looking looking fucked up or doing fucked up stuff. Just, just to clarify, there was a, an internet movement of people offended by this video game, Ghost of Tsushima, because it is a game set in feudal Japan that was made by Westerners. So now we're getting offended by, uh, by video games and their content. And a bunch of Western people, like Ren said, offended on behalf of Japan, which I totally don't understand because the game looks fun as fuck. It'd be different if the game sucked. <laughs> like that's why people hate vanilla ice right is not because he like usurped you know hip-hop culture when it's not his to take but because he did it poorly the latest signing to psychopathic records people don't hate on eminem <laughs> no not really not not yeah. not too much no just a little bit just mm-hmm. a little bit yeah, but but his 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 sheer skill and entrepreneurship overshadows any hate that he receives. Also, he's a little angry. He's like really angry and I think I think that captures the true essence of of that era of hip hop is is, is anger. <laughs> Just I kidding. like that. Um Damn, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to get to drag us off in a Ghost of Tsushima land. It's just, you know, universal basic PlayStations. I think it's a great idea. I really like, I like that you're trying to bring video games to the artistic community so that we can look at it as a better way to digitally social distance and interact with with the people around us, you know, safely as artists. You know, everyone's playing video games. Why aren't we in there? Why aren't we doing that? Yeah. Why, is, why is there no residencies on how to get a uh, crochet someone who does knitting you know into the video game industry yeah and i mean it's not just because i want to make a video game or anything like that i think it's because of the audience that video games um inspires and entices i don't know why i i, I like that type of audience it, it, it's regular people enjoying this thing that, that has art in it so why can't digital art have that type of audience you know like we just need to utilize similar tools and and adapt definitely uh that kind of reminds me of something have you heard about the uh, fortnite epic games apple scandal that the apps apple app store scandal yes yes do you do you for those of you interns out there who don't know about the epic scandal from epic games apple took Fortnite off of their platform just recently because Epic Games had hacked the mainframe. They figured out a way to accept in-game purchases without giving Apple their 30% cut. So Apple was like, nah, bro, 
we uh we take 30 percent of any in-game transactions <laughs> across our entire platform otherwise we're taking you off the fucking app store um and fortnite was like all right bro take us off the app store google play did the same thing and now they what epic games has decided to do is instead of saying all right apple all right google my uh, tech overlords you monopoly on applications uh I'll let you take your 30%. Instead of letting that happen, what they chose to do was sue the fuck out of Apple and Google. And now we have our federal court system looking into whether or not Apple and Google basically run a monopoly on on applications. And we're going to see how this plays out. But it goes to show, the reason why I bring that up is because Fortnite is such a popular piece of art, such a popular uh, video game (laughs) that it actually has the ability to draw attention to a problematic process in, you know, the the mobile phone world in that people like it so fucking much that it's not a blip on the radar when Apple says, oh, you're not giving us 30%? Fuck you. They can be like, no, Apple, fuck you. And that's the power of good art. And that is why Renz's idea of universal basic video game literacy is so important to the art world these days. Yeah, artists need to figure out how to get that video game clout because artists work in the video game world by designing these beautiful worlds, by designing the game, period. And it's a team effort. It's a beautiful team effort. Teams of of many, many developers and publishers work to bring out this these titles. You know, it's 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 the way that, that they've been envisioned like it. They, they are becoming the new entertainment like film is, but more advanced, more interesting, and, and, and they're getting a lot of people to really buy into it and love it, and they're making a ton of money out of it. And that's what the art world needs to survive right now. They need that fresh new look, that fresh new perspective, uh, a, com- a combination of two worlds uh, that are differentiated and, 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 and kind of segregated through the opinions of the old heads in the art world who are saying that video games and art do not mix. Hey, Sachi Gallery, uh, uh, MoMA, uh, the Metropolitan Museum, we're looking at you. We're wondering, the art pros are wondering, how come you can't change with the times? How come you are still putting out artists out there who do not speak to the general public? The general public is going to let art institutions like yours, the galleries on Main Street, the galleries in LA, they're going to let them all fail because they're too busy playing fucking Fortnite. Because you don't tell your artists, hey, we're not selling your shit unless it's as entertaining as uh, Mario. Super well, Mario Bros. To to some to some museums' credit, they have accepted video games into their private collection. I think that this is the responsibility of artists coming down the line, future artists to innovate and and make that the thing now i don't know what it is yet um i got 10 million imaginary dollars to produce a stellar show that no one's ever seen before we got some restrictions we got some constraints um and i think that is my answer that's where i stand i think that the the with that much money you got to push boundaries you got to take that risk (laughs) definitely um 
So there are we have a couple of articles for you guys today. Uh, you know, we're pretty excited about them. Didn't mean to get drawn off into a tangent, but I think Renz's idea of, you know, better engaging the general public, the average person, is is a good one. And artists should really try and capture some of that be the beauty in the mass appeal of video games. Um, but, you know, just to pivot from that, just talking about pop culture, just a little bit of, of pop culture art news. One of the world's favorite reality television stars, uh, someone who has brought tears of joy to generations of children, has decided to dip their toes into the art world. Mm. I hope that's the only thing she's dipping in there. Oh, she's dipping the whole fist in there. We are talking about Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton has joined the echelon of celebrity artists along with Shia LaBeouf and Jim Carrey and Kendall Jenner. You know, famous people who've decided that they want to join the fine art world because why Why not? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Nothing wrong with that. You know, I think everybody has the right to make art. Um, but the thing with this this article, you know, I think I think it deserves a little bit of a crit. I think her art, we need to crit it a little bit. Did you see the picture, Gage? You saw the article, saw what it looked like. Oh, I saw I saw some of the work. It looks great. It it um it reminds me actually a lot of uh, there's a cafe in Baltimore called uh, Paper Moon Cafe where people just bought a bunch of toys and glued it all over as like a gimmick and it reminds me almost exactly of that. It's very maximalist, you know, and I'm I, right now um, I am actually watching Paris Hilton, uh, her process in how she created this painting. And I'm going to describe to everybody what the painting looks like. So this is an article I stumbled upon it on Forbes.com. The headline reads, A chat with Paris Hilton about her new pop art paintings. Very apt description of the painting. And what I'm looking at now, the very first picture in this article, is Paris Hilton. She's sitting. It's a side view. Her hair is down. She's got a crown on her head. She's wearing black. She, she's sitting. And her right arm is resting against her right knee, which is propped up. And her hand is holding her head up, and she's looking off into the distance. She's wearing a purse that reads Juicy on it. Her long, thigh-high boots also read Juicy. Um, but in this photograph, and it is definitely a photograph, it looks like it's printed on canvas, bordering her figure are a bunch of what look like stickers. And I can confirm that these are, in fact, stickers because... She, in this article, there's also a video of her applying all of these stickers. She has a stack of these stickers, uh, boxes and boxes of, of stickers with sequins on them. And actually, in the video, I discovered that her crown, she made with stickers. She made this necklace out of these sequin stickers. She, she, she um, what do you call it again? Um... Uh, I don't remember, but, but she put these diamond-looking stickers all over this this picture of the purse. It's a maximalist pop art 
pop work of art, and it's just filled with stickers. Oh, I'm, stickers me, all over. It's for those of you who are familiar with Lisa Frank, or maybe like who was ever a child in kindergarten before. It's just covered in like kids stickers. Um, you know, there's little dogs. There's lots and lots of butterflies, like tons of butterflies, and then a shit ton of Chanel stickers. Um, and it it looks like a mood board from the '90s that like a an eight year old would have made, mm-hmm. an eight year old who really liked uh, Paris Hilton. <laughs> and the name of this work, it, you know, it's a self portrait. It's titled "I Dream of Paris," and it's forty eight inches by forty eight inches, which is pretty big. You know, it's pretty substantial artwork. That's uh, a big painting, yeah. And if you if you were to buy that for your house for the going price of fifty two thousand uh, dollars, is what it what it's being auctioned off at at right now it would you know be a substantial this would be a statement piece this is a collector's item you know this certainly yep. is not uh this is not a 90s sitcom girls room um this is a piece of art very mm-hmm. impressive statement about paris hilton and look she she wants to donate the uh the money she will be making from the auction of this painting to an organization called Starlight. It is Starlight Children's Foundation where uh, philanthropy money goes into helping kids with diseases and illnesses. She's got a pretty big collection too. Uh, According to Forbes, she is a pop art collector. Big surprise, you know. She loves going to Michael's Art Supply Store in Blick. And, you know, she's always <laughs> loved Andy Warhol, Jeff Koons, Damien Hurst, Cause, Takashi Murakami, Ai Weiwei, Olivia Steele. Cause, she mentions again, and Salvador Dali. <laughs> she me- there you she go. likes Cause so much, she mentioned it twice. And, you know, that's really important to note that uh, she li- how much she likes Cause and her work. You know, when she makes her art, <laughs> she puts on Katy Perry's Teenage Dream album. She loves painting to chill beautiful music like any song by Rufus Du Soul and Coldplay. Now, I don't want people oh. to think that I'm, that I'm roasting her, but I am, uh, as many of you should be, kind of salty that she is selling, she's auctioning her work off for $52,000 when she could probably just give $52,000. I'm a little salty. That's I mean, all. she 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 could match, but you know what? She putting uh she's putting in her uh, blood, sweat, and tears figuratively into this artwork by applying tons of stickers in the span of like I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah, no, I I actually do really like the piece. Um, I don't think that it's particularly, uh, it doesn't have a particularly high level of craft, which is actually what I appreciate about it. And technically, I work at a museum that considers visionary art anything done by someone without like art education and she would count despite uh, her immense wealth and ability to be around like expensive art all of her life probably giving her an advantage she would technically count as a visionary artist as someone who who despite not having taken an art class was able to push through the through all of her obstacles and and become an artist I admire the confidence of busting out packs and packs of stickers and and deciding I'm going to print a photo of myself, very large, 
almost 50 inches by 50 inches, whatever the dimensions, 48 by 48 inches. And let's just put a bunch of stickers on it. I'm going to put a bunch of branded stickers, Chanel, and I'm going to put a bunch of stickers that I like on it. And that's it. The simplicity. That's what I like about it. The, the, the gall of Paris Hilton to say, I'm just going to put a bunch of stickers on it. Let me ask you, Gage, is this painting? Is, is this painting? actually painting? Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, it's it serves the same purpose as painting. Uh, it, it you know, I do. I think it's it's skilled painting. No, not really. Do I think it's something someone might hang up in their house? Uh, probably not. If Paris Hilton wasn't famous, but it you know it counts. It it's painting. I mean, I think if someone, for example, um, I forgot the name of the artist, but there's an artist who does like portraits out of like emojis and i think it's really similar although done a little bit better but he just does portraits of faces with emoji i mean i would like to see more art that paris hilton has made i hope this isn't the only one well the uh, another piece actually speaking of emojis another piece she did is a bunch of emojis in a row oh, i see it right now this is it right here huh it i mean it, it it's collage it's collage is what it is yeah just uses stickers. It's smart, you know. You don't need to apply any glue. You don't need to cut anything out. It's. I see. Oh, I see a picture of a kit, a kitten, a kitten with a rainbow. This looks oh, really wow. like it was painted. Look at that. So here's the thing, man. Is that buying one of these pieces is a surefire good investment because if Paris Hilton touched it, it's going up in value. I mean, Kim Kardashian is like famous basically for being her assistant like that's why she had enough clout to then drop a sex tape to become probably one of the most famous people on the entire planet uh and you know this art piece all it needs to do this uh i dream of paris all all that it needs to do now that it's associated with paris hilton's name is have sex with ray j uh and it will literally become a billionaire <laughs> performance art yeah i mean what it see the thing is is that if you were to buy this piece for fifty two thousand dollars and then pay ray j probably fifty two thousand dollars to have sex with it on camera it could definitely get its own reality show i mean you know i've been watching a lot of the kardashians lately keeping up i i started from episode <laughs> one and it's actually I, yeah, pretty funny it's dude it's great and we haven't gotten to the part where bruce transitions to caitlin yet but i'm all for it like i'm so excited yeah, I was I was uh, into that uh, for a couple of seasons, like six months ago. It was pretty. It was pretty good. No, it's great. They're all so funny, but they have no like when they talk. It sounds like they have no soul. It's it's incredible. I've never seen it's, so much emotion and so little uh, authenticity in one place. You know, it's so it's so interesting. It's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant show. I see exactly what they were trying to do, and they achieved it. Yeah, I feel bad they for Rob. It. Um, they're the brother of Rob <laughs> Kardashian because he's certainly been uh, emotionally stunted since since the first episode, and it did not play out as well for him as it did for his sisters. He's uh, always just around. Yeah, and um, he was raised with the same sort of uh, like ego and feeling that things should fall into place for him as the rest of his sisters but he doesn't have the sex appeal to support that so he's just kind of around it's really weird nah he's not thick no nah, he's not thick but, i mean um, maybe in a different way but not not in a way that could sell uh, apparently 
Well, anyways, reality TV stars are always compelling. I mean, there's something like there is an art to making reality television and got to appreciate it. I hope that Paris Hilton's artwork takes her to the moon. I, I could see her one day next to a Keith Haring work <laughs> and to, to the right of her is a Keith Haring to the left is a cause. And then directly in front of her is, is, uh, you know, a Georgia O'Keeffe work and all three of those, all four of those artists all together in the same room. It just makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, she's clearly devoted herself to this practice. I can see and, a Murakami in there too, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the, the woman who does the dots? Kusa uh, Yayoi Kusama. Yeah. Kusama. Yeah. She's right up there. It really does. Like it really would fit in with that. I'm actually, uh, I was pleasantly surprised but, you know, it's like one of those things where you can kind of just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and, like, eventually it'll look good because it's just, like, so much stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i all for anybody and everybody making art. I mean, the most infamous person on in, in history, Adolf Hitler, was also an artist. I don't have many kind words to say about his art or that guy as a person, but everybody can make art. That's my point here. You know, the worst person in the world made art. The greatest person in the world, who knows, they probably make poetry in their mind, which is also a form of art. I don't know. The greatest person in the world. Are you talking about Elon Musk right now, bro? <laughs> I wonder what type of art he'd make. He definitely doesn't strike me as somebody that is like... Oh, he's what, a performance artist. He's on Twitter like all yeah. the time performing for all of us. He's like a jester who's paid billions of dollars. A jester? <laughs> I, I like how... entertaining. He is. I find it funny that to me, a lot of his inspiration and ideas can pretty much boil down to like, if you ask him, like, Elon, why did you make this? Why did you make the cyber truck? Why the hell did you make a, a flamethrower, quote unquote, not a flamethrower is how he described it. And his answer always seems to be like, oh, because it doesn't it sound cool? Wouldn't you want something that cool? Wouldn't you want to go to Mars? Wouldn't you want a cyber truck that looks like it can fucking drive through the fucking Federal Reserve's walls? Yeah, he's like a really cocky eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> like all the shit, all the shit that he makes is like just like a really, really uh, cocky eight-year-old. I want to name my son a calculator, uh, something <laughs> you could write on the calculator. Like, come on, man. So I, All the yeah. boomers are going to be so surprised that my kid's name is weird. Uh -huh. <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. It's fucking and he's awesome. just going to call him John. He's going to call him John or yeah, Bob. Or give him a nickname. I think the nickname's Ash or something. That's cool. Like Ash he Ketchum. Want, he's a very, he wants him to be the very best. He can, yeah. He can ever be. He can catch all of the clout. Yeah, of course. So do you want to lead us into our, our second story about... Bum, bum, bum. The Here we go, everybody. It is a story that Gage and I discovered very recently. It is a story that confounds both of us. It is a story that intersects technology and the way of life in which we can only look back upon now. Because what I am talking about is an algorithm. It is an algorithm bum, bum. that affects students in the united kingdom and this algorithm determines their grades yes you heard that right 
co- computers, grades. They're getting they're they're getting the Instagram treatment. They're getting these students are getting judged by a calculation. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm confused by it. Gage and I were spent a good half hour at this at this article's throat. You know, you could you could just imagine us standing there pointing a finger at it and giving it a piece of our mind, giving it our two cents and more. Because how? How does this work? Why? Why is this alg- why why did they fucking decide to to lay these students' futures on the line with a computer? Why is so that even a factor? <laughs> so here's the deal, everyone. Many of you have probably used Scantrons. I grew up with Scantrons. You know, you fill in a bubble worksheet and it goes through a computer and it goes beep boop. You got this many right. You got this many wrong. Pretty cool. Pretty straightforward. Um, so that's not what this is at all. This algorithm, what it is, is in the UK, they have these things called A-levels. Basically, it's their version of the of like the SATs, except it's on very more specific um, criteria like history and, and math it's not just like a you know kind of a test I, I think the SATs does that actually I don't really remember but because the kids couldn't go in and have a proctored exam due to the uh, pandemic shutdowns what this grading company off qual the office of qualifications company whatever they made an off qual algorithm and what that did was it guessed the grade that these kids would have gotten should they had have taken these tests. So the kids didn't actually take the tests. It just looked at what this algorithm decided, okay, this is how well the kids did in school. This is the school that they're from. This is what kids from the same school, how well they did the year before. And then it gave all of these kids a random grade basically random it it just guessed what they would have gotten um so possibly if a kid had spent this entire quarantine studying to try and get an a on his a levels but this algorithm was like oh this kid got c's all last year and then the school he went to most kids who go to that school get c's on on this test we're gonna give him a c even if the kid would have gotten an a uh that's pretty fucked up right that kind of just goes to show that no one's really taking school seriously at all because if we cared about these kids' ability to qualify their, their actual retention of knowledge, none of this would fly. We wouldn't let a computer guess what they would have gotten on a test. So imagine if imagine if your SATs were calculated based on the algorithm. You know, that's I'm really disappointed by that. It's it's kind of just a bad qual off qual you mentioned off qual this is a bad qual bad qual let me tell you something man one of the things that off qual uses to judge these kids grades is how well other students at their school did the year before which is super fucked up because i went to school with a lot of a lot of fucking idiots man i went to school (laughs) with i was the biggest brain in no i'm just kidding i went to school with people who were really smart it probably would have raised my my score but you know imagine if you go to a school that is habitually underfunded has a pretty weak education system in general maybe it 
I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the city not giving enough money to that specific school, depending on the demographic. Um, but you you go to that school and you're like, man, I, I just want to get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm sick of seeing potholes in my street. I'm sick of uh, hearing about the mayor stealing all the money from the education system through book sales that are fraudulent. And I'm just going to study my ass off so I can get a 1600 2400 on these SATs. And then you don't get to take your SATs. And instead, the algorithm says, oh, everyone who went to your school last year, they got like a six. You get a fucking six. Don't care how well you did. Don't care how well you might have done. You get a six. And uh, we're not letting you appeal for it. So that's the second part is these students got their grades from this off qual, this bad call, <laughs> this bullshit not on the ball sort of UK system. And then they were like, hey man, we would have done better than this. And then the Office of Qualifications was like, eh, sounds like too much work. Hey, uh, intern, do y'all y'all remember Dragon Ball Z? Remember that scanner that the Dragon Ball Z people use to determine uh. someone's power level? That's what they're fucking doing, man. You remember what, what you remember what happened when when somebody used that on Goku? They're like, oh, that's his score. And then they, what happened? They got fucked up right after that. They got like, fucked oh. up. <laughs> They're like, yeah, this guy's this guy's power levels over nine thousand. And then they got fucked up. But uh, little did they know, it wasn't just nine thousand. You know, it was well over nine thousand. It was well over. Well over. So what do you think, man? Do you think that that uh, we're just going to be welcoming more and more shitty algorithms into our into our teaching methods as time goes on? I I hope not because I do not see the future in this application in the way that they use it now. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair because there are a lot of people that test very well, and I don't think that environmental factors. Um, really paint the picture well enough to determine how good of a citizen you are. Because this is what this A-level thing determines. This determines your qualifications. School, school by itself, without all of this controversy that we're talking about, is already a difficult system to use to determine somebody's skills in the future. I mean, it does okay, but okay is just okay. You've seen those commercials on TV, like, you want an okay doctor? Do you want an okay mechanic? No. So why do this? Yeah, it's super fucked up, too, because these algorithms, like, were supposed to make it so that there's no inherent bias. Um, but then by by making people's grades dependent on where they're from, uh, it immediately draws in a bias. Like it's it's more biased than than just having a teacher be like, oh, I think that this person would probably get like a B or a C on it. Oh, I think this person probably would have gotten an A. Like they worked pretty hard. Like I feel like this fucking algorithm is more biased than that because it's not even taking into account the context of the actual student. It's just going off of what boxes this student checks off. Who the fuck designed this gauge? IKEA. I can't no, think this fucking, fucking government. Furniture, bro. This furniture is good for everybody. Whatever this 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 algorithm can determine these people grades, it'll be good for them too. 
because ah man i'm just so mad i don't even make sense right now bro this is what happens when you have such a shitty education system this is just a shitty education system this is what happens when you fucking put the education system in the hands of a bunch of mediocre government officials god damn i wish i knew i wish i knew what craig our automatic recording device would say about this well craig is probably biased in favor of the algorithm <laughs> Craig's also kind of a dick. He probably thinks the students would do even worse. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's that's the other smaller half of this double-edged sword. One one edge is much sharper than the other, and, and you can argue both sides on this thing. I don't know if I do that though. Like, what are they gonna? Are they gonna extrapolate this out into voting in November? Like. They're like, oh, no one can make it out to vote, um, and no one wants to do mail-in ballots. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at where you're from, uh, how old you are, who you voted for in the last election, what race you are, and then we're going to cast your vote for you uh, based on this algorithm that we wrote. Bad. Bad. We're not, we're not ants. No, we're ants, dude. <laughs> yeah, more, more or less. I mean, yeah. we're, a little, we're, we're a little bit more complicated than ants. Ants... Ants got a job. They do that job, live or die, you know? But with us, I mean, it's scary, you know? It's, it's a big philosophical question what's going to happen after we die. We think a lot about it. I don't think I don't think ants do that. They just follow their chemical trail and do what needs to be done. Damn, is that the only difference between us and ants is that we think about what happens after we die? Maybe. <laughs> Dude, maybe. <laughs> what if ants, that's maybe- it? These ants put it all on the line, you know? Sometimes I just sit there, and I'm like, should I kill this ant? And I'm just like, you know what? There's millions of them. They're doing their work. They don't need to be in here, and I feel like a tyrant. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of tyrants, that's exactly what would happen if we had an algorithm vote for us. And the thing is, is that voting determines our future. You may be sitting there thinking, oh, well, it'd be ridiculous to use an algorithm like this for voting, but for tests, it's probably fine. But testing probably fine. It's fucking future too. It's probably, probably fine. Probably fine. There's so much lack of confidence. I feel like evil is dependent on that idea of it's probably fine. Like, like people <laughs> not not feeling super strongly that it's bad or not feeling super strongly that it's good, but that middle ground of people, the radical centrists who are not radical enough saying it's probably fine. That is that could be evil. I think, I think the most evil comes from extreme, like Thanos. Thanos <laughs> never said anything was probably fine. He was like, "No, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen." Just like Genghis Khan. Yeah, I'm just going to take over the planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just somebody. I heard a voice in my head tell me that that's what I was supposed to do, and I'm going to do it. And that's what's going to happen. Arrow, go burr. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Grab your horses, everyone. Let's go. Hey, guys, we got nothing to do. Um, they have food in China. Let's go take that shit. Yeah, let's go. And, th- and then we're going to keep going because we're nomadic. So we're just yeah. going like to... We don't it's have like a house. A, it's like a wildfire. It's amazing. They live where they are, and they destroy where they go. You know what, dude? I have a new... Um, $10 million 
art piece that I'd like to do. Can, can I propose it to you? A little okay. practice proposal. So if I am requesting $10 million from the Renz Balagtas Granting Agency Foundation oh, in order yeah. to purchase $10 million worth of horses and bows and arrows to give to the homeless in San Francisco so that instead of being homeless and destitute with no resources, they can form a sort of Franciscan horde, a Mongolian horde, Genghis Khan sort of situation and take all of the resources of snooty Silicon Valley douchebags. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I want to model this, this San Franciscan horde after Genghis Khan's uh, Mongolian horde. That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> but I'm going to fund you anyways, just to see the carnage that happens. This is what somebody from, I don't know. That, that, that <laughs> Hold on, but what if I told you that um, because we're using horses and bows and arrows, it's more sustainable and, and it would help save on cost? Okay. Um, I'm going to do some numbers right now, um, because I just found out that one Mongolian horse would cost you in the range of 300 to $500. Divide that by a million. That's 2000 Mongolian horses. Now you can't, um, this is a reason, a reasonable budget. Let's change that to 10 million, 10 million, $10 million divided by 500 is 20,000 horses. It's a lot of horses. So we can cut that in half and give you 5 million more dollars as resource to use for your riders, for your equipment. You know, we're just doing a ballpark estimate here. You got yourself 20,000 horses. You got an army of 20,000. How far do you realistically think this performance could go? Well, like see the thing is is that um what you're investing in is the ability to make the Franciscan horde uh, sustainable, to make them self-sufficient, because with that $10 million and the investment into the tools that is the horses and the arrows, they can take the homes and the resources of San Francisco residents. But you're taking away from your viewership there. Who's going to watch this, you know? Is it going to be well, broadcasted or... That's a really good point. I was thinking that maybe we could hire Twitch streamers and YouTube. So we'll designate $2.5 million uh, to people who will stream, like live stream the horde and live stream the battle and put that into, you know, like Twitch publication costs. Yeah, $2.5 million marketing costs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So what about... Um... What if what if I need to what what if we need to show this again? How far will this ten million million dollars go? You know, I'm not going to give you another ten million dollars if you want to do it somewhere in, I don't know, Rhode Island or something. Shoot. Well, the thing is, is that the Franciscan horde is nomadic, so they're going to make their way across America. Hopefully, adding to adding to the horde both the women and children of various cities that get in their way, and possibly even horses, depending on what states they decide to travel through. But we, we are hoping to have this exhibit from San Francisco all the way to Rhode Island. 
So do you have a P so do you have a PR team to deal with all of the pillage and pillaging and murdering? PR? Do you mean a PM team, pillage and murder team? <laughs> I got another question. I'm gonna hire the guy from, from Alex Jones's show. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um so you're telling me that these horses will be provided to um uh, the vagrant population in in San Francisco. Who who are these horses going to again? They are going to to the homeless population to turn them from nomadic by by necessity to nomadic by choice. Okay, so basically, just giving them the ten million dollars and using that to start a foundation is out of the question. Ah. Uh. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Maybe we could just give them $10 million uh, and use that to not buy Mongolian horses and to <laughs> give them housing, give them housing and resources and job training. But I like the idea that they could uh, that's just, just It's <laughs> just so much. That's just so difficult to do, you know? Yeah, that sounds too hard. That sounds too hard. What we need to do is some roundabout uh, sort of system where the money passes through my hands. Right, right, right. So we're gonna go with the horses instead of just, you know, doing the ten million and starting some some foundation. We've seen foundations before. People are desensitized to that. Yeah, that's not gonna work. And it's 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 really convenient actually. Um, and this has no, nothing to do with why I want to do this art piece. But I happen to be a Mongolian horse salesman, so you could buy them. I could buy them from myself. Oh, you're you Mongolian? Know. Yeah. Oh, shit. and a horse salesman. Okay, so that lowers the overhead cost a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you got to pay me for uh, training them in Mongolian horsemanship. So, what, what, what sort of artist fee are you asking for here? Nine million. Nine million artist <laughs> fee. Okay, so one million dollars. That that brings us back to two thousand Mongolian horses. Doesn't let's say one thousand Mongolian horses leaves you with another um, five hundred grand for the rest. The arrows and the and the bows and the yurts, and the, and the yurts, and you're basically gambling that this this horde of of one thousand horseback uh, vigilante performers are going to be able to put on one of the greatest shows ever produced by art. Yeah, pretty much. Do you want to do a site visit? No, you know, I don't have that much time. Why don't you just um why don't why don't you just mail me your signature and I'll have my people uh plaster that onto all of the contracts that I'm going to use to take advantage of you. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. Yep. yep. Just email me your just give me a good scan, clear scan of your signature so we can put it onto all these contracts that you as an artist will never, ever, ever read or even understand, even if you tried to read it. You, you can't, can't afford, afford a, a lawyer. You can't afford a lawyer. <laughs> so so just give me your signature. We'll put it on. We'll do all the work for you. We'll do all the work for you. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. Um, and, yeah, don't read any of it. You won't get it. And you're a nonprofit, so none of this is taxed, correct? Correct. Yeah, we don't need to give anything back to to people. Well, that's something we'll have to discuss uh, down the line. Our development team needs to crunch some numbers. You need to crunch oh, okay. some numbers. 
okay. so we'll we'll get back to you on that. Uh, why don't we just get your information, social security number, maiden name, address, the works, signature. Perfect. 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 Consent. Perfect. I'll have I'll have my people talk to your people, and uh, let's get these let's get these uh, homeless people some Mongolian horses. Let's do it. We'll take over. We'll take over the art world. Great. Love it. All right. Great. Great. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Love it. Hey, hey, listen, this is a great idea. Uh, the Rents Blog Toss Foundation is is very excited to sponsor pillaging in the name of art. It's not actually pillaging, right? So, No, definitely not. I think we're going to make waves. I think we're going to make waves. Your marketing team, the Jones marketing team, I've seen them. I've heard about that guy. Great guy. Never met him. Love him. Love the idea. You got it, bud. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Yo, man. So, like, I, you know, you and I both write a lot of grants. <laughs> you do it for for yourself. I do it for an organization. And this is really, that's exactly how it feels when I'm writing that shit. <laughs> that's, our, <laughs> that's, that's, our, that's our role play right there. And our, our LARPing. We just LARPed as, as people with $10 million <laughs> to give and receive. Jesus Christ. That was pretty fun. It's way fun? better than my video game idea. Well, I think we could combine the two. Um, what do you think of this? So we we set up the Mongolian horde and then we gamify the hoarding where we give each each horde member like a phone and then individuals can pay like a dollar or two to different horde members to say, Hey, go bust open that that street lamp or go uh go you know, shoot an arrow through that that doorway, or or you know, kill that whole family over there. And so it's like a video game and and a and a riot on horseback with arrows. Interacting with the digital viewership community. Yeah, exactly. So the digital viewership can, you know, for a modest fee, make requests of the artists performing in the Mongolian horde through an app on their phone, maybe Twitter, maybe Twitch, uh, maybe Instagram. And it really becomes sort of this unified art piece part of the world. Yeah, you could charge dollar to $5 for a subscriber. You say, we reach this many subscribers, and I'm going to do what you, you all vote as the next action. It's like a real-life RPG. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I oh like shit, that. it's coming for it's coming full circle. Yeah, man, real life RPG, just just like Ghost of Tsushima, they're gonna listen, try and take New York. Listen, the Renz Balagtas Foundation loves this. We love this because we love bad ideas. Because what we say is the idea is only bad because there isn't anybody around to make it sound good. You know? Yeah, that's why we need that Jones PR guy, Alex Jones. And here's what we can do for you. Um, you let us take advantage of you by sending us all your information and not reading any contracts or studying up on contracts or getting a lawyer, maybe a free lawyer through any free resources that you can have in your art community right now. And you get your $10 million, you know? Good idea. I'm definitely not going to reach out to any of the many Baltimore and national free free uh, pro bono lawyer situations going on for things exactly like this. And I'm just going to send you all of my information and my signature. 
And let me assure you that this contract is jam-packed, filled with confusing information that um, will basically mean we own you. Love it. Love it. We're going to own everything. Hey, and we can pay you whenever we want, though. Yeah, we're actually. <laughs> are you actually going to end up paying me at the very end of the performance piece after I've already spent all my resources and extra? Hey, listen, I'm running out of time, so we can talk about that after you send your information. Is that okay? Yep. Beep beep. It's in. It's in the mail. Check check your check, check your email right now. All right, I am going to get my assistant to let me know, and I'll get back to you in a month. That's or great. three. We should probably actually do an episode on how to how to do a grant, huh? Where we role play oh, just man. like this. <laughs> yeah, we got to expand on this. This is pretty good. Yeah. The Mongolian horde, dude. I actually, I'm in full support of nomadic, like, like basically using the nomadics, the nomadic, uh, what's it called? Framework for performance art. <laughs> okay. I'm down to play the role of the uh, oblivious funder too. And I'll be the, I'll be the radical, the dangerous radical yeah. trying to use your foundation. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a funny that's a funny uh, character, the oblivious funder who just has all these ideas and tools and just says yes, the yes man funder. Damn, dude, I wish there was more of those. They're starting to get savvy. They really know how to say no to terrible ideas. Well, I feel like, I feel like the nineties was the wild, thing, wild west. <laughs> it's a complicated thing, though, you know, because. It's it's not necessarily a bet as a uh, philanthropist. It's more of like sometimes there's really not a lot of people who are doing what you actually want to fund. So yeah, you got to hedge. Yeah, so you got to just take what you can get, I guess. You got to believe true. in the people managing what what where your money's going. The uh Really, all these foundations are just like fronts to have a bunch of money in in the stock market, anyways. That's untaxed. Do you think Paris Hilton's gonna start a foundation? I'm. I would be surprised if she didn't have one. I mean, most of these, like, like basically, if you have more than like ten million dollars in the bank and you're not part of a foundation or on a board of directors, like you're you're losing you're losing a lot more tax money than if you are. Well, there all of that's a write off. There is a Hilton Family Foundation. Yeah, she's probably a big part of that, and I would imagine she uses that to write things off. Like this fifty-two thousand um, dollar painting that she's selling, like, is going to be a huge write-off for her too. It just means she's going to pay less in taxes because she puts stickers on a four by four square. <laughs> Fuck her. I God just. I just googled how much money does Paris Hilton spend in a month. Um, let's see, Paris Hilton's net worth. How rich is she really? From a website that I don't really trust called Stylecaster.com. Ten million dollars a year. She spends ten. She spends ten million dollars a year, or makes ten million dollars a year. She makes. Damn. Well, we should we should send this episode to her and see if she'll become a patron. Um, 
52 weeks in a year, right? Something like that. Yep. That's um, potentially $192,000 a week. If you, if you make $10 million a year, that's how much you could spend. I want to make that in like the next 10 years <laughs> or something after taxes. I, I don't even know. <laughs> That's like not even any. That's not even a lot of money, but it's a whole lot to make in uh in a week, a month. Like with imagine imagine making that much in in a month or in a week, um, and you still you and despite working so hard, you make one hundred ninety two thousand dollars in that week. You still have time to put stickers on a four by four canvas. How long do you think it realistically took to to make that? Oh, I bet like I bet like five days. I bet it took her a while because she's working so much. Because like I work, I work like forty-five hours a week, and I don't even make one 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 hundredth of what she makes in a week. So I, she has to be working at least 400, 500 hours a week, you know, to make that so, much money. So let's. I'm gonna do a quick calculation. Uh, there Ooh, are one lot of math. <laughs> <laughs> Asian there math is... pros. There is 168 hours in a week. 168 hours in a week. And what did we say was her... Um, so if $10 million divided by 52 weeks is $192,000. Um, wait, I'm lost. 168 hours a week. How many hours did you take? Uh, did you say it took her five? Yeah, probably five. So 192,000. Divided by 168. Yeah. Divided by 168. Times five. Is $1,142. $1,142 times five is um, $5,710. Oh damn! So she still made forty-five thousand dollars. Yep, potentially. Lucky her. That's five thousand seven hundred and ten dollars for that fucking five hours. Well, you could see it in the work. It's a thousand dollars an hour. Hell yeah, brother! That's what I'm trying to get. Shout out to her. Good work, dude. That's that's sixteen dollars a minute. So you're telling me in 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 a half hour she makes more than I make in three days, basically. <laughs> I don't want to, but yes. Yeah, that's really fucked up, man. I don't want to really tell you up. that. And well, she she does it by existing. I think She's that that's. I think all of this is really good narrative evidence for why we need the Mongolian horde. <laughs> Listen, Lorenz Balagtas Foundation is with you. Now just give us all your information so we can own you. Yeah, I got you, bro. I got you. So we've reached our hour. Do you think that we should probably say goodbye to everyone? Um, yeah, I do. I don't have any more words for rich people. I don't have any more words for roboticizing our education i'm just so tired i'm so broken down by all of the intensity of, of news that are bombarding us emotionally mentally physically it's, it's so tiring
Yeah, man. But you know what? We have episode two of Cybervote Patriotista coming soon. I cannot wait to put all of my emotional energy into trying to essentially make fun of what's going on around us. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, if you guys have not checked out Cybervote Chapter 1, it is on our website for free. And Patreonies got access to it a week early. I'm thinking that we might continue that, you know, putting it out a week early for Patreon subscriptions. So if you like it um, and you hate the podcast, but you're just like, damn, I really love this this comic, this manga, this American manga, uh, you should <laughs> consider giving us some money, uh, you know. We don't need it. We're super rich art professionals, but you know, it'd be cool. It'd be pretty cool to like have people design their own characters too. It'd be pretty funny. Oh, maybe we could we Patri- could. patrons. Yeah, we could put that out. Like we could ask. I'm sure some I'm sure someone would have a character they'd want made. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out to uh Frell Friends. Who I hope you've already checked out the uh, the first chapter. I I didn't see if Frel, one of our patrons, who specifically joined because of Cybervote Patriotista, I didn't see if they got to see the first chapter. So hopefully you did, and you like it. Faux show, yo yo, wait before we go, what's going on with that debate? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, shit. So we are going to we are starting to get people together for for some hot, hot debates. Uh, we're going to call it the comment section because people always argue in the comment section and we're going to try and do it live. Um, we're still fleshing out the details, but if you are interested in flexing your big brained art skills, your art knowledge, your philosophy, maybe a little bit of politics, maybe a little bit of fashion debate, please reach out to us at paid.artists on Instagram or email us at artprospodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're going to be setting that up in the next few weeks. We're hoping to have our first live zoom debate by mid September. Um, we've already got a couple of really big brained people, some professional memers, some, some, you know, working graphic designers, some just random artists that reached out to us who want to get in on this. And we're going to, you know, we're going to see who has the biggest brain of them all. No holds barred debate sort of contest live from baltimore new york we are the art pros podcast let's get ready to art debate Uh, yeah yeah that was really good that was like the crispest you've sound this whole episode Um, (laughs) so if you guys if you guys are interested in in doing that reach out to us i think renz and i are going to try and do a practice round and we'll put that out so that people can see exactly what we're talking about. Uh, who knows? Hey. Yeah. Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. We are the Art Pros Podcast. We are irreverent. We are not always factual, but we always do speak our minds. We are the smoothest podcasters. We are the funniest podcasters about things related to art. On the internet, we are patting our own backs right now, much like you should do as an artist. And with that, 
I I wish you farewell. I wish you good night, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it may be. Thank you for listening. If you got this far, <laughs> we love you guys. Peace. Stay awake when I must sleep Because my dreams are